Luke chapter number 22. And where we come from, just so you know, uh, just so we get acclimated to each other right away. And I know with such a great time and, and a great spirit here already. And uh, it, where we come from at our church, the altar is always open. And if God's dealing with your heart, there's not, there's not a bad time to come and offer an offering to the Lord. And I appreciate the sensitivity of those who've already come. And, and listen, I, I, I don't judge anybody for not coming. Let's not judge those that come either. And let's just be sensitive to the Lord and however he moves. Um, if, if, if the Lord convicts your heart while we're reading the scripture, hey, that's, a, that's not a bad time to come. If we're in the middle of the message, man, there, there was, I, was in a, I was in a sermon one time. We were at a football camp. There's 350 boys or 300 boys there at that football camp. And there was a preacher preaching. He's a fellow evangelist, Brother Ted Houston. He's, he's literally, I mean, uh, cancer's eating up his body. He's trying some natural things, but he's just preaching on. And the Lord spoke to my heart within the first five minutes, really within the first three minutes of his message. And he was preaching about Israel, how they've lost their shame. And how they're not able to blush anymore. And the Lord, three minutes into it, told me to get up and told me to move. And I was like, Lord, you know, there's, there's, there's 90 pastors that come and work this meeting. 90 pastors and evangelists and other men who, who are the coaches at this Christian football camp in, in Dwight, Illinois. And I thought, Lord, you know, there's a lot of preachers here. There's a lot of coaches. I don't want to be a distraction. I, I, like we do, we make every excuse not to move for God sometimes, don't we? Well, it might distract the first-time visitor. Can I tell you, the first-time visitors don't know if you're supposed to do that or not. Right. <laughs> you ever been to a Catholic church and you're not Catholic and they're all of a sudden they're kneeling and you're, you're like, oh, whoa. <laughs> all of a sudden they're doing like this. My head hurts. My stomach hurts. Where's my cigarettes, you know? And you don't know what you're supposed <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. You don't know what you're supposed to do. You're just, oh, okay, that's what they do around here. Can I tell you, if you're worshiping God, don't worry about what anybody, listen, it doesn't matter what they're going to do. They don't know it's not normal to walk the aisle during the middle of a song. You just mind the Lord. When I got up out of that sermon, Brother Stone, I, finally I couldn't, I just couldn't take it. The Holy Spirit was beating me and I couldn't take it anymore. So finally I was like, that's it. I'm coming. And I got up you know, in front of about 450 people. I, was, I mean, I was sitting way back. And I was like, all right. I just came up there and I, I, I hit the altar in the middle of Brother Houston's message. And I could hear some commotion as I was praying and he was still preaching and he's a fiery preacher. So I couldn't hear exactly what was going on, but I heard a little bit of commotion. And I got up off of the altar and I looked around me and there was about 300 people on the altar. You know, sometimes it just takes that one person. Yes. I also, I don't want to be the one that quenches him either. And listen, we don't, we don't force anything here. If you were here last year, we didn't manipulate anything. We didn't force anything. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not that type of evangelist. But, but I want to get out of the way if God does start moving. Yes. And so you mind the Lord tonight and whatever God wants to do, that's, that's what I want to do. If he wants me to preach five minutes, shut up and go down and go eat ice cream, we'll do that too. Especially if you're buying. <laughs> but you mind the Lord tonight. You just all week, just, just, get, just settle in and get used to that. We're, we're just, you want to move? Just, it's open. The pastor's already given us. I mean, he's nodding his head and amending in agreement with that. He said, what if they tag us charismatic? Here's, here's, here's the difference between us and the charismatics. We have the truth. Amen. And when our people come forward, they get saved. Yes. 
And they get right with the Lord and they live biblically. I've been, I've been in unison prayer meetings and, 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 and I mean, where it sounded like there was a, a fight going on in the prayer room of some churches, but I can tell you, I've never heard an unknown tongue in the, in those prayer meetings. Nobody's ever did anything that violated scripture there. We're so, we're so scared. We're so scared of God actually moving. We're like that little boy. I mentioned it at the men's meeting. We're like that little boy who's praying. And he heard his mother, his mother heard him. She said, mom, can you come in here? I'm scared. He said, can you turn the lights on and leave them on? He said, son, there's nobody in here but you and God. And he said, but mom, he said, when the lights go off, he said, I just feel like things are crawling on me. I just feel like, you, you know how it is. You feel like if you take that blanket off you, the monsters are right there. And he said, mom, I'm so scared. And she said, son, there's nobody in here but you and God. He said, well, turn the light off. But he said, can you leave the door open? And so his mother left the door a little cracked open and she heard him praying when, after she left the room. And she, he, said, he said, God, now I know you're in here, but whatever you do, don't you move. Because <laughs> if you move, you're going to scare me to death. And hey, we got some of those church members in here tonight, some of those Baptists that, God, we know you're in here, but whatever you do, don't you move. God, don't you convict somebody in the middle of a song service and they go out and get saved because you might make us nervous if you move in here tonight. You know, I hope he does make us nervous. One little boy, one time his mother said, he said, you've got Jesus in your heart. And she said, he said, yeah, he said, mom, but you'd think if somebody as big as Jesus, I'd feel something going on in here. You know, somebody big as God coming like he did this morning. It's evident that he's been here. And I want him to stay in here, and I don't want to quench him tonight. Luke chapter number 22, verse number 31. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, behold, Satan hath filled thine heart. I'm sorry, Satan hath desired to have you. Sometimes I do that. I look away from my Bible, and I start quoting verses instead of reading my verses. But it says, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I want you to know some very key words in this passage right here. This is the Lord's Supper. This is the, 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 the Last Supper, as we call it, as Michelangelo so famously painted. He's, this is the Last Supper. Jesus is enjoying the last meal. He institutes his Lord's Supper during this time. And he addresses some men very specifically. And he comes to Simon Peter and he says, Simon, you better watch out. Because Satan's desiring you, and he wants to have you that he may sift you as the wheat. But I've prayed for thee, Simon. And he said, the reason why I'm, why I'm praying for you is that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, when you're changed, when things turn around, I'm going to use you to strengthen your brethren. But Simon Peter has an interesting response. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, that the cock shall not crow this day. Peter, you're not even going to hear cock-a-doodle-doo. Before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Peter's in a pickle here. Jesus said, Peter, you're going you're to deny me. Satan's desiring to have you. He, he's going he's to try to have his way. Ah, oh, no, Lord. I'm ready to go to prison. And I'm ready to go to death for you. 
But Jesus said, listen, listen, the cock's not even going to curl thrice. You're not even here cock to do till you deny me three times. But just remember, I'm praying for you. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. We need to hear from you. We'll give you glory when it's all said and done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Peter, many times, you may be seated. Peter, many times in the scripture, Peter is so impetuous. And Peter's always the first one to open his mouth. And a lot of times we discover in this life, oftentimes, the first one to open their mouth is the first one to insert foot too. And by the way, if you have never opened your mouth and inserted foot, you've probably not talked long enough, amen, because you're going you're gonna to do it. But Peter was always, I mean, even when they came to get Jesus, he said, hey, he pulls out his sword and whacks off the high priest's servant's ear. And he's like, no, you're not taking Jesus. And Jesus is like, put your sword away, you idiot. I just told you they were going to come and do this. Jesus, who do, who do they say that I am? I'll stick up and say, Jesus, you're the son of God. Peter, this time... Jesus addresses him personally. He says, no, Jesus, I will go to prison and I will go to death for you. And I believe Peter, I believe Peter meant that in that moment. I believe Peter, I don't think Peter was trying to be deceptive. I don't believe Peter was just simply being presumptuous. I don't believe Peter had any intention to deny the Lord. But listen, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to, Satan is desiring to have you. He wants to have his way with you. But I have prayed for thee, Peter. This is going to happen. Your faith is going to falter. Your faith may flicker. Your faith may be fledgling. But Peter, your faith doesn't have to fail. And Peter said, no, Jesus, no way. I'm ready to go to prison for you. But now put up some emphasis here. Jesus never said, Peter, if, if Satan has his way with you, he said, Peter, Satan's going to, he's going to be seeking you. Jesus never said, Peter, if he happens to get a foothold in your life, if he happens to try to sift you as wheat, Jesus said, no, Peter, it's a definite thing. He's going to sift you as the wheat. I'm praying for you. You're going to deny me. And Peter says, no, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the death for you. You know, often it's discovered in the Christian life. It's not a matter of if you're going to fail God. It's when. It's when. No, Brother Allen, you got to understand. Man, if, they, if they came into the building tonight and they started pointing guns at people and they say, hey, if you're willing to live for Jesus, no, Brother Allen, I would die for him. Brother Allen, you got to understand if they would put the guillotine up tonight in the middle of the town square and they say, if you're a Christian, come over here and die. I would go to, I would go to the death for him. And I believe you and I, just like Peter, we have every intention of fulfilling that, uh, that, that statement, that declaration in our life. But Jesus is saying to him and you and I tonight, it's not a matter of if you're going to fail me. It's what you do after you fail me. That really matters in life. I've never met one perfect Christian yet. I've never met a Christian who said I didn't have any struggles. I've never met a Christian that just said, listen, at some time in my Christian walk, I have not failed God. Every one of us was a sinner before we got saved. We continued to be a sinner after we got saved. And can I tell you tonight, it's not a matter. 
your survival or revival tonight is not hinging on if you ever fail God. It's what you do after you fail God. And the longer you live in this Christian life, guess what? The more times you're going to fail God. But it's like that boxer who who may get knocked down. He doesn't have to get knocked out. And Jesus said to Peter, listen, your faith, listen, it may be fledgling. It may be faltering. It may even sometimes be flickering. But your faith does not have to fail. Let me ask you this. Did Peter fail Jesus? Not a trick question. He failed. Less than 23 verses after he said, I will go to prison for you. In verse number 57, he says, woman, I don't even know that man. And sometimes it takes us even less than 23 verses to fail God. Now, sometimes we even came out of last year's revival and things were up and we were excited and we got saved or we got baptized or we got right with the Lord and God was working in our hearts. And sometimes even before the next Sunday, we fail God. Some of you got, you came into this revival meeting and you're carrying the baggage of your failures and you know you failed God and maybe you haven't been as faithful this year and maybe you haven't been winning souls this year or men you were challenged and maybe you haven't been leading your family right. God's been working on you, but you know you're not where you're supposed to be. Can I tell you, more important than your failures in this Christian life is what you do after your failure. With the help of God, I want to preach to you tonight on the revival of faith. The revival of faith. I want you to notice several things in this text here tonight. I want you to notice, number one, the presence of Satan. It was not some, Jesus didn't say there's some bad energy force out there. Jesus didn't say, listen, there's a dark side of karma. Nothing nothing fires me up or flames me more than hearing a Christian saying, that's karma. He just had bad karma. No, the Bible does say you reap what you sow, but there's not some mystical, invisible life force out there somewhere. Listen, there is a God, and that God is sovereign, and God can, listen, God can turn karma sideways and on his ear and stick it in the ground somewhere because there's no such thing as karma. Right, right. But the Bible says there is a devil. There is a devil. And the reason why some of you don't have revival in your soul tonight is because there is a devil. The reason why some of you are in a depression right now is because there is a devil. And he knows that you, if he can get your spirit, if he can get your family, if he can get your wife, if he can get your kids, if he can get your ministry. Hey, listen here tonight. He knows that he's gonna, you're going to end in destruction and the revival will all be for naught. All because Satan entered into the picture. And Satan would love nothing more. The Bible says be sober and be vigilant. You know what that means, preacher? It means pay attention to what's going on here. Be sober, be vigilant. They say they've got a saying now, and we're watching things, of course, in our nation, and we've had, we've had different uh, things happen in shootings and, and, and activities going on. You know, they say if you see something, say something. That's the big mantra going on now. If you see something, say something. 
Well, can I tell you, I have seen the devil wreck and ruin and destroy lives and destroy marriages and destroy churches and destroy young people and destroy, listen, and destroy the houses of God. And I'm here tonight to cause us to pay attention because I've seen some things and I want to say some things tonight. And you better be aware, you better pay attention, and as soon as we recognize the hand of God on those videos tonight, we better pay attention because there is a devil, and he is working in this world today. So you better pay attention, because he said he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, I thought about that roaring lion. You know, lions don't roar because they're about to eat. If you're, if you watch, and I love watching, I love, I love watching predators. I, I mean, I love watching a big boa constrictor get a hold of something and wrap around that thing and, and squeeze it to death and then start. I mean, I love it. I love watching the big cats and the tigers and the lions and, oh my, no, I, I forgot the bears. Oh my. And I, I love watching those animals. I mean, I even love when it got that salmon run coming. And those bears will just, I mean, those bears will just wait right there. And as those salmon are coming to spawn, I mean, they'll catch them right in the middle of the air. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. Unless you're the one being preyed upon. I saw this one where this lady, and she was, she, he, the bear was, I don't know where it was. I think it was up here in Canada somewhere, maybe in Alaska. And this bear came over, and she had a little canoe there. And the, bear, and the bear came over and it started swatting at the canoe. And then the bear pushed the canoe. The lady was on land. It pushed the canoe away from the shore. I thought, he's smarter than the average bear. <laughs> I was looking for Yogi. Hey. I was listening to the video. I was like, hey, boo-boo. And, uh, and, uh, Yogi, we, I don't think we should take those picnic. Anyways, but uh, I'm not going to be invited next year. I don't know what happened. Anyways. But it, and here's what she started to do. Bear, leave my canoe alone, bear. Don't do that, bear, no, bear, no. And that bear was like, talk to the hand. And uh, that bear, like the bear understood English. Bear, don't do that, oh no, bear. There, there, hopefully there's not a person in this room that if you were confronted by a bear would say, now, now, now bear. Now, Mr. Bear, you just, you scat, Mr. Bear. But don't, don't show your teeth. No, that's disrespectful. Most of us, especially if you're a hunter, man, I try to pull out a 357 and blow his ever-loving head off. I mean, I try to make some noise. I try to do something. I was going to say climb up a tree, but they can climb trees. And I try, to, I try to do something. to Listen, and I see people all the time, and Satan's coming into their life, and Satan's trying to destroy them and wreck and ruin, and it almost seems like they're trying to play patty cake with him. Satan doesn't play patty cake. He is seeking whom he may devour. He's not trying, mom and that, that preacher's preaching up there. He's just trying to hold me back from some fun. No, we're trying to stop you from jumping into the tiger cage. Amen. Any of y'all see that man that jumped into that tiger cage? It's on you. It's insane. This, the man was mentally unstable and he jumped into the tiger cage. It was like Indonesia or somewhere. 
and he jumped into this tiger cage and this ti- and the tiger starts swatting at him a little bit and here and he's he's you know not doing anything and he's kind of walking and finally the tiger grabs him by the back of the neck takes him over into the woods and if you can't tell how the story ends he does not make it and yes we've got things some of us have things in our life right now that are open the door to satan to enter in Some of us are looking at things and we're reading things and we're watching things. Hello. Some of us are allowing influences into our life and Satan is getting, the Bible says we know his devices unless Satan should get an advantage over us. Listen, we better be sober. We better start paying attention and realize that there is a devil out there. And the Bible says a thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he wants to wreck your marriage and he wants to wreck your life, young person. And he wants to make you live a life of regret and and, and and bad decisions. And now you're living a life that you never thought you're getting to places you never thought you'd get to. Why? Because Satan came in. Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to warn you about Satan. Satan, I believe, has three jobs. I believe the Bible says in this scripture, his job is to sift. He's sifting. Satan wants to take everything that's good and holy and pure about you. Satan wants to take that smile that you have and turn it upside down. Satan wants to take that beautiful marriage that you have and cause wreck and ruin because not only will you ruin your life, but your kids' lives are going to be affected by it. Your in-laws' lives are going to be affected by it. I'm telling you, I've seen the devil one too many times get into people's lives and just become a wreck and a ruin and begin to sift everything that's good about them. Why is it that you see girls that... I mean, I, I know some girls that uh, were an influence in getting me in the church and all of a sudden sin began to creep in. Hanging around the wrong crowd here, sneaking out of house late at night to go to the parties. And all of a sudden that pure, innocent, sweet little girl, and you know the difference, you and I, we, we know what it's like to see a young, innocent young lady and all of a sudden the world gets a hold of them and now they're in their 20s and they look like they're in their 50s. How does that happen? It happens because Satan has desire to sift you. Hey, Brother Allen, you got to understand, Brother Allen, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sick. I'm in my 60s. I'm in my 70s. I'm in, listen, I don't know of an age limit that the devil stops attacking us. Because he knows grandma and grandpa, if he can get you to fall, your young people are going to say, man, if they can't make it, what am I supposed to do? Why? Because he's trying to sift things out of your life. And sometimes it's not only you that he's after. It's those kids, it's those grandbabies that he's after. But he has a sifting. And Satan's walking through the crowd tonight trying to sift us. Not only does he have a sifting ministry, he's a stealer. Not only is he stealing, but he's slaughtering. I, but I love this. See, the Bible says, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. You. In Ephesians chapter number six, it says stand. And then it says stand fast. And it says having done all of the stand. Listen, I learned a long time ago when you're dealing with a bully like the devil is. And this goes back to that, why he's a roaring lion. You see, he knows if you're saved, he can never get you and tear you to pieces. He can never steal your soul, but he's going to try to intimidate you with his roar. You know, most animals growl and roar. It's just a warning. That's all it is. You watch a lion on the prowl, man, they're, not, they're trying to make no sound whatsoever. 
And God designed them so that their feet, they could, they, could, they could press on grass and different things and not make a sound. If he is a roaring lion, that means not only does he work one way, but he's got several methods and he's trying to intimidate us at the same time. I love it. One day I was watching National Geographic and there was an older warrior out there. Listen to me, don't miss this. There was an older warrior out there. The Ma- I believe it was the Maasai. And he said, fellas, he said, there was three men with him and they're speaking in their native tongue and that's translating on the bottom. And he looked at him, he said, he said okay, you, you guys ready? And the guy said, yes, we're ready. Before that, they rewound it and they said, we're going to go steal that lion's food over there. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> I'm watching this because if I get to see a live Scooby snack <laughs> on TV, I'm thinking, I don't know if those lions like dark meat or not, but they're about to get some. <laughs> and they said, and they, had, they had taken down a, a wildebeest and that wildebeest was over there and there, there, was, and there had to be at least 10 lions on that wildebeest. And they're ripping, tearing this thing. I mean, you can hear bones cracking. And that Maasai warrior said, you guys ready to go? And they said, yes, sir, we're ready. He's going to teach them how to steal lion's food. And I'm like, oh, get my kids in here. We need to see this. This is going to be good. (laughs) Kids, this is what not to do if you ever go to Africa. And these four men, they stood up. And I'm thinking, okay, they got spears in their hand. I'm thinking, my mindset was, okay, here's what they're going to do. The old guy has a really good aim, and he's going to like a javelin throw and hit one. And then once you hit one, they're all going to run because that one's going to go, and he's going to be hurt, and he's going to limp off, and he's going to die in the woods somewhere by himself. They never shot a spear or an arrow. All they did, preacher... They stood up like this, and they started walking towards the lions. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be really good now. And they just walked right up to the lion. And one by one, those lions, they, they, they poked their heads up. And they started walking away from the wildebeest. And one by one, they got up, all ten lions got up. And they looked like, what's these idiots? But they walked away. These men go over there. He pulls out a little, little knife, a little shank. He cuts a hawk off of this wildebeest. I mean, it's like this big. It'll feed him, you know, for a couple of days. Throws it over his shoulder and walks right back in and back home. And I thought, what in the world did I just see? But you know what I just saw? I just saw the Bible acted out. Because if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And we're running scared so many times. We're worried about the devil and his power. And oh no, did you see that last scary movie they put out? The Bible says, listen, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. The Bible says, thanks be unto God, which causeth us always to triumph in our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, Peter, there's a devil. But I want you to understand something, Peter. He doesn't have that all power over you. And I want you to understand tonight, if, you've been, if Satan's come into your life, if Satan's been causing havoc in your life, sure, he's got some power. 
But in Matthew chapter number, I believe it's 28, verse number 20, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I'm not going to preach it this week. Maybe I'll preach it next time I come to here. You ever read those verses in the Bible? And I'm not trying to get bogged down to this part of the message here tonight. You ever read that passage in the Bible where it said, Paul said, I besought the Lord three times to remove that thorn in the flesh to me. But Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. But here's what Paul said. He said, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. There was given, if, if brother Jake, okay, brother Jake, go stand by brother McPherson. Matter of fact, go stand by Austin. He'll be the devil. And uh, Austin right here, right there. Don't miss this illustration. I'm, I'm not going to preach on this. And I'm going to try not to preach on it right now, but I got to give this illustration so you understand this. He said, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. So Austin sends brother Jake to me to buffet me. Okay. Austin sent him. <laughs> He's like, wow. He liked telling him what to do. He was like, go buffet him. Don't punch me. He comes by. He comes to irritate me. He comes to buffet me, okay? I say, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to try hard in the Christian life. I'm going to send that thorn in the flesh back. But Austin sends him back. He's going to buffet me again. So that was given unto me. Read your Bible. It said, but Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Let the preacher be Jesus. Can I use you for a second, preacher? Oh, never mind. We'll, we'll let you stay there. Brother Paul, why don't you be Jesus? Don't miss this. A messenger was sent by Satan. The messenger came. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. If Jesus was able to say, my grace is sufficient for thee, where is he? Right next to me. Could it be that Satan, thank you, man. Could it be that Satan has to send a messenger to us because he cannot come where God is? So all he can do is stick his ugly little face over there. Just kidding. And uh, because he can only send messengers to me because the one that I'm standing on is the one that stands by me. And that's how you can have the victory in the Christian life. It's not your trying. It's not your doing better. It's not by you and your own flesh trying to get the victory. It's realizing that the one who stands by us is better than the one who's trying to provoke us and take us down. That's why Jesus said, Peter, Peter. Satan's desiring to have you, but I'm praying for you. I tell you, I want you to notice the presence of Satan, but I want you to notice this. Number two, the prayers of the Savior. The prayers of the Savior. Yeah, I know Satan's after you. I know he's trying to hold back revival from you, but there's a Savior that's praying for you. Oh, I've had a lot of people pray for me. And I, I've had men that have written books on prayer pray for me. 
I remember Dr. Tom Williams. I don't know if you know him much, but I remember the first uh, Tom Williams. He's written on. He's lost. Or he's, he made that movie about his life called Twice Given, and he, he's he's buried. I believe two or three different wives that he's buried, and God's given him a great wife and Miss Janine. And he wrote a book called Prayer and Faith, and and how he's challenged me on on prayer. And I've we have been we have been in meetings with him. The quartet here was singing at a meeting with him, and y'all remember we were in Baraboo, and there was a man there who who had back issues, and every time that man's back would seize up on him, they'd have to call the ambulance and carry him out and take him, give him a cortisone shot or some sort of shot in his back, and and, and he'd be able, he'd be all right two days later. And we went to pray in, in his school of prayers that he had that he has. We went he, we pray for an hour or two hours. That's one session. And he'll teach on prayer for an hour, then we pray for an hour. Then he'll teach on prayer for an hour, then we'll pray for two hours. And during one of those times of prayer, one of those seasons of prayer, that man was on his knees and his back seized up. And he, was, he, he, and he began to cry and he said, go get my wife. I was standing right next to him. He said, go get, go get my wife and his wife. We had to go get his wife downstairs and she came and she began to cry. Oh, no. And she, she was like, man, why'd you get on your knees to pray? <laughs> and she was irritated by it. But, but listen, he, I, I, Brother Williams went by that man. All he did, he put his hand on that man and he said, dear father, raise him up. And they had already called the ambulance. He said, dear God, raise him up so he can walk out of here under his own power in Jesus' name. And he walked back to his tape table to sell some books. Two minutes later, that man stood up and walked out under his own power. I've had Brother Williams pray for me for my son when he was born. My first son, he had, he had some uh, issues with his lungs and bronchitis. From the day forward that he prayed for my son, my son never, him and I prayed together, my son never had another issue again with his lungs. And story after story could be told. But listen, I, and I, listen I've had Brother Williams lay his hands on me and pray for my ministry. I had Dr. Carl Hatch, and many of you don't know him. He's an American evangelist for over, I believe, 40 or 50 years that he preached. And the first time anyone ever laid their hands on me to pray for my ministry, I was a college student. Dr. Carl Hatch preached on the laying on of hands that night. And I said, Brother Hatch, I said, you don't know me from anybody, but I said, you just, would you pray that God would use me as a college student? Would you pray that God would use me into the ministry after, my, after I graduated from college? And Dr. Carl Hatch put his hands on me and he prayed over me and he prayed for my ministry. Listen, I have had some great men pray over me, but can I tell you tonight, they don't compare to the God of heaven praying for me right now. Jesus, the Bible says, he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he ever liveth to make intercession yeah. for us. Amen. Jesus right now is praying for you. And I know some of you, you don't think anybody knows your heartache. You don't think anybody knows the cares of your soul. But can I tell you right now, there is a Savior in heaven and he knows what's going on. And he's a man of sorrows and he's acquainted with grief and he is praying for you right now. Right. To know and I have the prayers of my Savior. I've got the prayers of Jesus. Some of the prayers of Jesus were, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Maybe that was his prayer for Peter. God, Peter's going to deny me, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't realize it's going to work all things for his good. God, every disciple is going to forsake me, but they don't realize, God, what they're doing is part of your plan. God, just help their faith not to fail. And in the midst of, even while they're crucifying him, he says, lay not this sin to their charge. 
Aren't you thankful tonight that you've got a Savior that many times when I didn't know or didn't know how to pray for myself or didn't think I was worthy of being prayed for, yet my Savior is seated at his Father's right hand praying for me right now. Oh, there's the presence of Satan. There's the prayers of the Savior. Oh, there's nothing like the prayers of Jesus. I mean, some people, I mean, you can, you can try to get a hold of me all you want to. And I may block your call when you call me, especially if you're from the credit card company. <laughs> Say amen right there. But you let one of my sons try to get a hold of me. I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning. If you're my son and you call me, I'm answering the phone. And I tell you, God may deny us, and God may deny your favorite preacher, and God may deny your favorite Bible teacher or Sunday school teacher, but I'm going to tell you right now, he will never deny his own son. And that's the one tonight that if your faith is flickering, and your faith is faltering, and you don't know how you're going to make it till tomorrow, and you've made a mess of your life, and your life has exploded, and you've done things that bring regret in your life, can I tell you, Satan might have been there in his presence, but the Savior is there praying just for you. I want you to notice the presence of Satan. I want you to notice the prayers of the Savior. Oh, but I want you to notice the pardon for sinners. There's a pardon for sinners. Man, are we, should we ever be thankful that God is a God that is, the Bible says, I, I cannot get over this phrase in the Bible. He is ready to forgive. He is ready to forgive. We joke around saying, Brother Paul, Brother, Brother Paul Trelor is the most helpful guy on the planet. I, and I mean that. And he'll help you even when you don't need help. If Paul Trelor, listen to me, if Paul Trelor sees me do like this, you know what he immediately, that's exactly, you see, you saw what he did? That's immediately what he will do. He will, I mean, if he sees me do like this, if he sees me, let's test it out. If he sees me looking through my Bible like this, that's exactly what happens. So now you know I'm not lying this time I'm preaching. Anyways, uh, you know why? Because Paul Chalor is always ready to help. Always ready to help. If he thinks Pastor Noonan is a little thirsty, he will stand up in the middle of church and he will run to the pastor's office and get him a bottle of water. If Jesus thinks you need help, Brother Cody, if he thinks we need help, he's ready to forgive. God's not, God's not some tyrant like these fake made up gods. Oh, if you do, if you do enough to prove yourself for me, I mean, if you, if you walk through a glass, broken glass, I mean, if you're like the Buddhist and you, you're willing to slap your hands together and slide across stone uh, ground over here to get to the top of the mountain, if you're like the Hindus and you, you're willing to climb some mountain somewhere and go seek some guru or some sage, then I'll prove it to you. No, I believe Jesus gave us a story in John chapter number 15 and Luke chapter number 15, I'm sorry, because he said there's a father out there that
that is waiting and he's willing and he's working and all he's looking for you, prodigal son, all he's looking for you to do is just take one step inside of those city limits and the only time we will ever see the father run is to you and I to forgive us for our sins. He's ready. He's ready to forgive. There may be some in here tonight that you don't think there's any hope. You think you've gone too far. You think you've done some things that disqualify you. He's ready to forgive. I like that scripture that says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I like the Bible verse that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love it. They they talked about it tonight in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 4. And it says he has washed us from our sins in his own blood. And I'm glad tonight that Jesus takes sinners who have been ravaged by Satan and he is ready to pardon those sinners. And I tell you tonight, the only one that's convincing you that there is no forgiveness for you, that is Satan himself. Isn't it amazing? The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. And a lot of times we think about that as, as yeah, he, Satan came to me, and I'm going to criticize Brother Fury, and he's causing conflict between us and each other. Sometimes Satan is the accuser of our own selves. And what he convinces us is God didn't want to see you. God didn't want to hear from you. God's done with you. But can I say to you tonight, there is a pardon for sinners. Yeah. Every one of the disciples forsook him, but guess what he said? He still fed them, didn't he? After they were, after they were out there fishing in John chapter number 20, he still fed them. After Thomas said, I don't even believe that he's resurrected from the dead. And after he said, Thomas, I know you don't believe it, but here, Thomas, I'm willing because I'm ready to forgive you. I will appear unto you another time and I will say, put your hand in my side, touch it in my head. Why? Because he's ready to pardon us. He's not looking at Thomas's past and saying, Thomas, how dare you? I told you I was going to raise this temple up again. Peter, how dare you go fishing again? James and John, how dare you go back to the old life? How dare you walk on that road to Emmaus? He said, no, gentlemen, I'm calling you back to myself because I am ready. I am ready to pardon. Listen, if he's ready to pardon people that are nailing his hands to a cross, how much more our failures and our faults as his children? Oh, there's a pardon for sinners tonight. But I like this. There's a preservation of the saints. I didn't say perseverance of the saints. I'm not a Calvinist, despite my name. But I believe in the preservation of his saints. Say, Brother Allen, what are you talking about? Jesus said, Peter, there's going to come a day when you fail me. But I want you to know that I'm praying for you. That your faith fail not. And he said, Peter, when you're converted, when things turn around, strengthen the brethren. Strengthen thy brethren. Oh, yes, about, let's see, the Passion Week happens. But isn't it Palm Sunday? What a fitting Sunday to worship God like we did this morning. Hosanna to God in the highest. They deny him. They do all the thing wrong. Jesus comes back. He gives them the great commission. Forty days later, Acts chapter 2 happens. 
And these guys are preaching under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And, 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 and man, things are happening. They have that upper room prayer meeting. And man, it's getting on. And the service is thick. And God comes down. And so much so the Holy Ghost. After Joel chapter 2, a fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, where he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he said, man, the, the, and he sees tongues of fire upon their heads right there. But the people don't respond initially like we think they would. We just think, yeah, there was an upper room experience, man. Everybody got saved. No, that's not what happened. The Bible says people begin to criticize them. And they said, these men are a bunch of babblers. They're a bunch of drunk fools over here. They said, we can't. It's only this thus and such a time. And these guys are drunk already. And guess who stands up in the middle of it all? Peter. The one Satan desired to sift him as wheat. The one who said, I don't know that blankety blanking man. The one who said, I go a fishing, going back to my old life. That guy stands up. Why? Because things had turned around. And he stands up in the middle of them all. And he says, listen, these are not, these men of Galilee, they're not drunk. And he begins to preach to them about Joel chapter number two. And after Peter was done, the Bible says then 3,000 people got saved. They were added to the church. Things were happening. And hey, Christianity, New Testament Christianity began to flourish and be spread across the world. Why? Because that same man who, who Satan was desiring to sift, Jesus was praying for and he pardoned his sin and now he's standing up and strengthening the hands of his brethren that are being criticized and people are getting saved and revival breaks out what am I saying I'm saying for some of you tonight if you'll get right with God you have no idea who God is going to use you to strengthen I know there's some marriages here tonight. You know you're struggling. Half the church knows you're struggling. The pastor knows you're struggling. Can I tell you tonight, if you'll just get out on this altar and realize there is a devil, but realize that Jesus has been praying for your marriage and you'll get things right with God, you have no idea how God could use you to help the marriages of this church. And some of you tonight, you were struggling with booze and alcohol and drugs. And may I even say the biggest drug epidemic of all, you pill-popping Baptists. And you're addicted to painkillers and opioids and you know what I'm talking about tonight. And you're thinking, boy, I don't think I can be used by God. I think, man, nobody knows about this. God already knows. And guess what? He's not ready to condemn you. He's willing to, he's trying to convert you and change you and turn the situation around. And then you'll be able to preach to others and strengthen the brethren of the church. Isn't it amazing? God's using a former addicted man to reach addicted people in the city of Milwaukee that's amazing isn't it isn't it amazing God's using someone that I mean was a punk teenager and he's still a punk but I'm you know, <laughs> to reach to reach all these little bus kids hundreds of thousands of bus kids and been an influence on Christian young people and Christian education for the past 30 years, including two members of this quartet. That's amazing that God would use that. And it's amazing, listen, the testimonies here tonight that people God use, hey, hey, God can use you here tonight. If you'll let him turn it around, you have no idea how he can use you to strengthen the brethren. So what about it? Jesus says, Satan, Peter, Simon Peter, 
listen, you're going, you're going to fail me. It's, it's not a matter of if you're going to fail me, Chris. You're going to fail me. But when you do, will you, will you understand that Satan is the enemy? There's a presence of Satan. Will you understand that I am not your enemy? I'm the one who can bring a fresh start, new revival. Will you understand that not only will I just move on from it, but I'm going to pardon you from it. And will you understand that I want to use you in ways that you never thought I'd use you. I want the Lord to use me. Oh, he can use you tonight. And he wants to use, he wants to bring revival to our midst. But if we don't even have the, the mental capacity to say, man, Satan's trying to ruin my life. He's trying to wreck and ruin my church. He's trying to wreck my marriage. He's trying to wreck my thought life. He's trying to wreck my purity. He's trying to wreck my spirit here tonight. And allow Jesus to turn some things around. I told one man in the Christian life, he's a man I work with. I mentioned him earlier today. I told him we were working together and I, I told the men, God, I believe God divinely put me in that workplace just for him and another man. And I, ha- I made a statement to him one night. We were driving from work and he said, man, he said, man, I just feel like I failed God. I feel like, you know, I'm, I, I just don't know what to do. And I said, listen, I said, here's the Christian life. Okay. Here's the Christian life right now. Here's what, here's what the devil has some of you convinced. Some of you are convinced. Well, it's easy being a preacher because you guys just live here. Seriously? Only Brother Stone does that. No. Uh, oh, it's here. Okay, never mind. You, th- you think we stand up here and you think we live like this. Some of you that don't know the choir... Notice I said don't know them. <laughs> you, you think they live up here, don't you? Man, if, if God's going to use me to sing in church, man, I, gotta, I guess I got to be like this. If God's going to use me to preach, man, I guess I got to be like this. And I tell you, this preacher right here. Now, I thank the Lord my valleys aren't as deep as they used to be. As I walk with the Lord, those valleys are getting higher. And I'm kind of at this right now. You know, the devil can trip me up and I can go to a valley. I can get depressed about something going on in my life. I can, I can look at some of the battles that I'm facing. I can look at some of the struggles I personally have. My besetting sins. And I can just throw in the towel. But I'm telling you, that's the Christian life. And it's not, it's not about Oh, okay, I got, I, got to, I got to try to stay up here. It's, it's when, you, when you go here, do you make it right? Do you understand who the enemy Some of you are looking tonight and you think, no, the pastor's the enemy because he found out about your sin. Your mom and dad's your enemy because they found out about your sin. Your wife's your enemy because you found, she found out about your sin. Or your husband, he found out about your sin. They're not the enemy. Satan's the enemy. He's the destroyer. Will you let him, will you let, first of all, Jesus Christ cleanse you tonight? Some of you need to come tonight and just, just allow the Lord to give you a good old-fashioned spiritual bath tonight. 
and pardon your sin. And then some of you need to come tonight and say, God, now that you've cleansed me, how do I strengthen the brethren? How can you use me to strengthen the brethren? Man, I always said my, my, my aunt, if she ever lived for the Lord, she had such a boldness about her. And I said, man, if she ever lived for the Lord, I mean, she would be one of the boldest soul winners you would have ever met in your life. She was like 125 pounds and a pit bull. And I always thought, man, what could God do with her if he could turn her life around? For some of you this week, God wants to turn your life around. And I'm not talking about just those that are living in sin and older and deep, dark sin. No, I'm, t- I'm talking about those of you that are living in sin in here and in here. Let God turn it around and let's revive our faith again. Because our faith may be faltering. Our faith may be fledgling. Our faith may be like a candle that's flickering, but it doesn't have to fail tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight, maybe Satan owns you, maybe you don't know for sure that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. There's already three, four, five, six people that met the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior this morning. I said it this morning, I'll say it again. If you cannot be honest in church, you cannot be honest anywhere. And I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that would say, I do not know for sure that if I were to die, I go to heaven. Can you pray for me? I'll not embarrass you. I won't point you out. I'll just say, thank you for raising your hand and we'll move on in prayer for you. You Say, Brother Allen, that's me tonight. I don't know for sure that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. But I want to know, would you pray for me that I could make that decision to trust Jesus as my Savior? Here's my hand, Brother Allen, right now, right where you sit. I'll just acknowledge your hand and I'll move on and pray for you. Here's my hand, Brother Allen. Thank you. I appreciate your hand over here, ma'am. God bless you in the white sweater. God bless you. Thank you, sir, back here. I appreciate your honesty. I don't know for sure. Thank you, young man back here. I don't know for sure that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. Would you pray with me that I could trust Jesus as my Savior? There's already been three that have raised their hand. Is there anybody else to join those three that raised their hand? And those of you three that raised your hand, I'm going to pray for you, but I cannot save you. Only Jesus can do that. Thank you, young man over here, young lady. I cannot save you. Only Jesus can save you. He is the only one that can pardon sinners. But I can pray for you. I'm going to pray that you will allow somebody to take the word of God and show you how to be saved. Now, Christians in here tonight, how has the Lord dealt with your heart personally? And when you come down to this revival altar, I want you to deal specifically with the Lord. Lord, this specific thing is Satan's been using to come into my life. Lord, these specific areas I've been allowing Satan an advantage in my life. Lord, will you close that door tonight? Lord, by your grace, I'm going I'm to close the door with you tonight. Maybe it's Satan, you realize that he is the enemy, but he's got you in failure tonight, and you don't think God's ready to pardon you. Can I tell you, if you'll come to this altar tonight, you'll find an abundant, the Bible says he will abundantly pardon us. Maybe you don't know how God's going to use you afterwards. He can strengthen the brethren. After I pray, Brother Jake is going to begin to sing again a song of invitation. If he's, I'm willing to live for him, would you mind the Lord tonight? Father, we thank you so much. God, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for the times I've failed you. And I have failed you and failed you and failed you and failed you and failed you. 
just like Peter. If it wasn't Peter that denied you three times, it'd be me. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to, in the midst of our faults and failures, to stand by us, God. We know you are pre- you ever live to make intercession. Thank you, Lord, for your son praying for me right now. The Holy Spirit praying for me right now. And Lord, I, I want you to cleanse this crowd anew, Lord. May they come to this old-fashioned altar and just make things right with you. Confess it and forsake it, and they're going to find mercy tonight. And God, use the ones that are doing that to strengthen the brethren. We'll thank you for what you do in this altar time and invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand with us tonight as Brother Jake begins to sing? Would you respond to how the Lord's worked in your life? If he's willing to die for me, I'm willing to live for him. You mind the Lord this evening. And I tell you, if you raise your hand, not knowing for sure that if you were to die, you go to heaven, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how to be saved. As Brother Jake sings, you mind the Lord.